Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We have a lot to go over this week. It was a slow weekend at the box office. The Super Bowl was going on here in the United States. We'll talk about what ended up at the number one spot as well as a lot of other stuff. As always, I want to thank the presenting sponsor for this show, Carbon Health. I'm very happy to be partnered with them. They are committed to making healthcare not only accessible but also affordable to everyone, which is especially important right now. Whether you're away from your usual doctor or you're looking for a regular provider, check the Carbon Health app. You can find a Carbon Health location near you for any of your needs, including immunization and COVID-19 testing. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being on board. And before we get into the box office, as we sometimes do here on the show, I want to take a minute to recognize someone who passed away. The word actually came out last night, almost right after the Super Bowl was over. A lot of folks in LA celebrating the Rams' big win last night. Last night, we learned of the death of Ivan Reitman, who was a true comedy titan, really helped to define comedy in multiple eras. He was known for so many different films, Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters franchise probably being first and foremost amongst them. He was so influential though. He served as a producer and a director on movies that you may have heard of, some that you may not even have known that he was involved in and was one of the most successful and prolific comedy minds of his generation. Looking at his top grossing films, these are adjusted for inflation. You had Ghostbusters obviously back in 1984. He directed and produced that film. Over $650 million. Animal House which he produced over half a billion dollars adjusted for inflation. You had Stripes, one of Bill Murray early breakthrough roles. Uh, He directed that film, $276 million inflated. Ghostbusters 2, he directed that film, over $250 million adjusted for inflation. And then Twins, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, almost $250 million adjusted for inflation. So a director and a producer of a lot of huge box office films, but his legacy goes so far beyond that. When you look back at his career, he directed or produced six movies that were amongst the top 10 box office earners of that year. Animal House, which is the third highest grossing film in 1978. Stripes, which was the fifth highest grossing film of 1981. Ghostbusters, the second highest grossing film of 1984. Twins, the fifth highest grossing film of 1988. Ghostbusters 2, the eighth highest grossing film of 1989. And then just last year, producing Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was the 10th highest grossing film of the year. But for people that would say, well, what was this comedy influence beyond the 1980s? When you look at some of the films he executive produced in the 21st century, Century, Old School, Road Trip, Euro Trip, I Love You Man, some of the most popular comedies of that era. He was a Best Picture nominee for producing the film Up in the Air. Films that he directed, produced, or executive produced totaled 12 Oscar nominations. And as a director, producer, or executive producer, he had nine number one openings, including Ghostbusters, Twins, Ghostbusters 2, Space Jam, Private Parts, Disturbia, No Strings Attached, Space Jam A New Legacy, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ivan Reitman was 75 years old. His family says that he passed away in his sleep. It was an unexpected death, but it leaves behind a legacy that will be remembered for generations to come. I know that we are already on the second or third generation of folks my age uh, beginning to pass things like Ghostbusters on, or on the producing side, people passing Animal House on to their kids, and now those kids starting to pass it on to their kids. It's not often that you see somebody who's involved in as many projects with such a long legacy as Ivan Reitman. My thoughts and condolences go to Ivan Reitman's friends, his family, and his fans. A a true titan in comedy with a legacy that won't soon be forgotten. Let's look at the box office top five, and the number one film this weekend was Death on the Nile with just under $13 million. And I mean, 
it's number one, so that's good. We'll look at how that compares against other Kenneth Branagh openings. Super Bowl weekend, not the optimal time to launch a movie. We've seen movies in the past do moderately well, but keep in mind when you're talking about the United States audience, uh, you're losing a hefty chunk of them all day on Sunday to watching the Super Bowl, especially because it was such a good game. I think anybody that might have said, well, I'll watch the first half may have ended up staying and watching the rest of the game. So not a stellar debut there for Death on the Nile. The only thing maybe keeping it ground is that it had a budget of less than $100 million, but it's still going to need to do really well. Jackass Forever in its second week, dropping 65% to come in second place with $8 million. We talked about last week, did a whole lot of people not get the chance to see it last weekend because of the ice and snow here in the United States. The weather was much better this weekend, but we still saw a drop off around 65%. So if there were a bunch of people that were planning to see Jackass last weekend, it looks like they may have said, well, you know what, I'll wait till streaming. Because 65 65%, that's honestly steeper than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought that we would see better legs, especially because it's a comedy and such a crowd-driven film, uh, but about a two-thirds drop-off there for Jackass Forever. At number three is Marry Me with $7.9 million, almost $8 million. and this was another movie. I, I went and saw it this weekend. I actually enjoyed the film. I enjoyed Death on the Nile as well. You can see my review of Death on the Nile here on the channel. I did an audio-exclusive review of Marry Me. You can find those links down in in the description below. But the one thing that these movies both have in common, they skewed older. When you look at the demographics, a vast majority of the audience for both these films over 25, a hefty amount over 35. And we've talked about this. We talked about it with Spider-Man No Way Home and a lot of the films like The Last Duel last year. The younger crowd will show up in droves to see a movie that they want to see, but the older crowds are not returning to the theaters just yet. Even though it seems like the Omicron wave has spiked, it may be a permanent change in behavior. It may be people being out of habit, or it may just be a lot of folks being extra cautious. Regardless of the reasoning, we're still seeing movies that attract older audiences not doing well at the box office, or probably not as well as you think they would have. My case in point, Spider-Man No Way Home, it drops to number four in its ninth week, but look at that drop, 25%. Another $7.5 million. We'll take a look at that uh, as it compares to Avatar in just a moment. And at number five, Liam Neeson, again, an action star that uh, appeals to a somewhat older audience, debuting with $3.5 million with his new film, Blacklight. I think probably not helping things is kind of a been there, done that uh, kind of feel with a lot of Liam Neeson's films. So Kenneth Branagh does get a number one opening at the box office. How does this stack up against his other outings as a director. I think if most people were asked to guess what Kenneth Branagh's highest opening was, they would probably say Thor. After all, it's an MCU film, but it's actually not. It's another film he did with Disney, and that is 2015 Cinderella, which opened just a little bit more than $2 million above Thor back in 2015 with $67.8 million. Following right behind, though, is Thor with $65.7 million. Murder on the Orient Express in 2017 earned over twice what Death on the Nile did this past weekend with $28.6 million. Then we have Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit in fourth place with $15.4 million, and then Death on the Nile there at $12.8 million in the fifth spot. Remember, that is just Kenneth Branagh as a director. And you have to wonder, with studios, with the adult-driven films, 
Obviously, with the success of Spider-Man No Way Home, they don't have to worry about their tent poles as much, but are they going to start taking a second look at these movies that do skew older and say, number one, are we going to start putting them on our streaming services? Number two, are we going to delay them further to allow older audiences to feel more comfortable showing up to the theater? We don't know the answer to that yet, but this has been a continuing story with this pandemic and one that we'll keep tracking here on the show. When we talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, the fact that it dropped less than 25%, it is now going to pass. As a matter of fact, it very likely already has passed Avatar domestically, and we'll break down all those numbers next week. Looking at the day-by-day comparison, you can see that Avatar is still closing the gap between itself and Spider-Man No Way Home. It's just that No Way Home is going to get to that $760 million number. I like looking at these lines as we go. You can see uh, Spider-Man No Way Home kind of having more of a curve strategy, Uh, but look at Avatar. I love watching, if you see that blue line, it sort of like dips during the week and pops up during the weekend and dips during the week and pops up during the weekend. It's like a wave almost. Uh, You see a little bit of that with Spider-Man No Way Home as well, but that's how Avatar ended up doing as well as it did. I was very skeptical that it was going to happen, but this is a movie that obviously is appealing to a lot of people. And if you're Sony, it appears to be a pretty savvy move not to rush to put it out on streaming or on digital uh, video or Blu-ray, etc. They're taking their time with it and it's paying off at the box office. Another big thing that happened last week was the nominations for the Academy Awards being announced, and there's always a question about the Best Picture nominees. Does getting an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture help to boost your box office? Well, let's see what happened with the 10 nominees at the box office this past weekend. You can see here that King Richard had the biggest bump in box office revenue with with a 443% rise. However, it only grossed $44,000, and that's because it was on 463 screens, an increase of 428. So Wonder Brothers banking on those nominations to put it back on a few hundred screens. It is available for purchase in some arenas. It'll probably be available for streaming again very soon. The second biggest increase was Dune. It made $145,000 this past weekend. That was a 380% increase over the weekend before. It added 592 screens. So again, Warner Brothers going with the strategy of adding screens for their Best Picture nominees, even though it's available for rental and purchase uh, at home. Uh, a lot of folks obviously choosing to see Dune again on the big screen as it re-expanded. Drive My Car was the surprise nominee for a lot of the big categories. It only increased onto 12 screens, although its revenue went up 92%. So it made $192,000 on 127 screens obviously driving a lot of interest, and it was actually announced today. It will be premiering on HBO Max on March 2nd, so it looks like to help with the market penetration there. There's more of a streaming strategy going on for Drive My Car. Belfast, which came out a while ago, added 538 screens. It's currently available for digital purchase. It had a 52% increase over last weekend, so not a bad bump, but you would think maybe more uh, with the number of screens that were added. Licorice Pizza had a huge expansion. It was put on 1,191 additional screens, almost 2,000 screens nationwide, and it saw a 49% increase in business, almost a million dollars this past weekend, $959,000. Then we get to the movies that actually decreased. We have West Side Story, which saw a 44% drop from last weekend, but it also dropped 350 screens. The first nominee we've seen so far that lost screens 
It will be premiering on Disney Plus and HBO Max on March 2nd, so that seems to be the strategy they're taking there. Nightmare Alley grossed $85,000. It lost 60% from last weekend. It also lost 300 screens, so it's only playing on 405 screens. It is currently streaming on Hulu and HBO Max. And then we have the streaming three, Don't Look Up, The Power of the Dog, and Coda. Obviously, no box office impact because they are all streaming exclusively. Uh, Don't Look Up and The Power of the Dog on Netflix. Coda streaming exclusively on Apple TV Plus, so we don't have any access to the numbers right now as far as an increase in interest, although it will be interesting to see next week when we see the Netflix streaming numbers uh, for the week prior, which is how we see it, if there's an uptick in interest for Don't Look Up and The Power of the Dog, either domestically or worldwide, after all of these nominations. Looking at the overall box office this weekend and the road to recovery, we took a dip down from last weekend. And as we have been the whole year, we're kind of splitting the difference between 2019 and 2021. It continues to be a slow recovery. We'll see if any of the big releases this upcoming weekend will move the needle or if we are still going to be waiting for the Batman, Uh, but still not getting anywhere close to the pre-pandemic 2019 levels at the box office. Let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. The worst person in the world repeats. It brought in just over $5,000 at 49 theaters, so a pretty big expansion there. Death on the Nile was second with $3,900 in each of its 3,280 theaters. Then the Beatles get back the IMAX rooftop concert with $2,699 in 181 theaters. This was a very close race. In fourth was a German film called Fabian Going to the Dogs. It premiered last year at the Berlin Film Festival. It premiered in one theater. It's also making its streaming debut, $2,400 in one theater. And then Spider-Man No Way Home staying in the top five in each of its 3,300 theaters. Theater owners brought in $2,279 per theater. Before we move on, I'd like to thank the sponsor for today's show, Athletic Greens. I have been talking about them a lot lately, and it's because it's something that I've really enjoyed incorporating into my daily routine as I focus on overall wellness in 2022. And similar to the reason why I often fall off of workout routines, I often fall out of taking things like Athletic Greens because it becomes a chore. That's not a problem with Athletic Greens. Some days I'll throw it into a smoothie. I'll throw in some dried fruit or fresh fruit if I have it, some yogurt or some milk or just some ice. Put the athletic greens in there it's a great addition to my smoothie or if i'm in more of a hurry i can just throw it in some water it still tastes great that's what keeps me on the pattern is it's easy it tastes good and it's something that i actually like incorporating into my daily routine a lot of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one that your body will actually absorb with athletic greens you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance That's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free. Plus, it has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with daily convenient nutrition, especially as we go into the cold and flu season. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Looking at the specialty release box office, so these are movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. This is the first time in a few months, actually, that Licorice Pizza is not on this list, and that's because, as I mentioned, it had a big expansion. It's in almost 2,000 theaters nationwide, so it is no longer eligible as a limited release film. That bumps the Beatles' Get Back, the IMAX concert to number one with $488,000 total. The worst person in the world in second place with $248,000. Then we have Drive My Car in third with $192,000. The Wolf and the Lion, which was number one last week with $181,000. And then Parallel Mothers, uh, an Oscar nomination for Penelope Cruz as Best Actress. That's there at number three with $153,000. Looking outside the domestic marketplace to the international market, it is once again, as expected, dominated by Chinese films. Following the Lunar New Year celebration, the battle at Lake Shangjin 2 remains number one internationally with $43.7 million, followed by Too Cool to Kill with $37.6 million, Nice View with $21.6 million. Then we have Uncharted, which opens domestically here this week. It opened in select international markets this past weekend, so that was good enough with $21.5 million for a number four debut internationally, and then Death on the Nile at number five with $20.7 million. So when we take the domestic marketplace, the international marketplace, we smash them together, we get the top five movies worldwide. The Battle at Lake Shangjin 2 and Too Cool to Kill stay at numbers one and two, but the domestic debut of Death on the Nile bumps it up to number three with a $33.5 million worldwide debut. Nice View is at number four with $21.6 million, and Uncharted is at number five with $21.5 million. Looking at the overall box office domestically for 2022, Scream remains the number one film of the year with $73.1 million. It's had a nice life at the box office. It's continuing to put up respectable grosses. Jackass Forever is at number two with $37.4 million. Moonfall jumps up one spot, although it still remains uh, very not profitable, at number three with $15.2 million. The 355 drops down one spot to number four. Death on the Nile debuts on the chart at number five. That bumps Redeeming Love down one spot. Marry Me enters the chart at number seven, bumping Bell down to number eight. Blacklight with Liam Neeson enters the chart at number nine with $3.5 million. And The King's Daughter is in serious peril of being dropped off of this chart. It drops three spots to number 10 with a $1.7 million total domestic gross. When we look at the worldwide chart, it is all China and the U.S. The Battle at Lake Shangjin 2 has now passed the half billion dollar mark at the box office. It's the number one movie of 2022 worldwide, followed by Too Cool to Kill, which has passed the $300 million mark. Nice View, which has crossed $150 million. Scream drops down one more spot to number four. It's now grossed $128.3 million worldwide, followed by Boonie Bears Back to Earth staying at number five. Only Fools Rush In and Another Me, two Chinese films, Flipping Spots at number six and seven, Sniper at number eight, Jackass Forever stays at number nine, and Death on the Nile enters the chart at number 10 with its $33.5 million gross. Before we look at what people are watching at home, I always like to do a box office flashback, and we're going to go back a decade. It was a very different time for the box office because we saw a marketplace here that would support four new release films. The Vow was the number one film starring Rachel McAdams and Channing Tatum with a $41.2 million debut, taking advantage of the lead-up to Valentine's Day. Safe House with Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds was at number two, just behind The Vow with $40.1 million. Then we had a new movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
Johnson, Journey to the Mysterious Island. It came in at number three with $27.3 million. And then at number four was the 3D re-release of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, which debuted with $22.4 million. That's a very momentous release for me because it predated my time working there, but it was the 3D re-release of The Phantom Menace that inspired the idea for the original Honest trailer. The first one was for The Phantom Menace 3D re-release. The web series would then take off. I got hired later on to help them out and ended up being a writer and an editor, and that led to everything uh, that happened with me at Screen Junkies and conversely, everything that's happening right here. So in a very strange way, I have The Phantom Menace and specifically the 3D re-release of it to thank uh, for everything that's happened to me over about the last 10 years. So thank you, George Lucas. I appreciate it. Rounding out the top five that week was Chronicle in its second week with $12 million. Let's take a look now at what people are watching at home with the streaming charts, and we'll start, as always, with Amazon. At number one is Ghostbusters Afterlife, produced by Ivan Reitman, directed by his son Jason, at number one. At number two is Sing, still available premium video on demand, but bringing in a good amount of revenue. American Underdog is at number three, followed by Encanto and Spider-Man Far From Home. The 355, also available premium video on demand, is at number six. Despicable Me jumping onto the charts at number seven, followed by Free Guy at number eight. F9 back on the chart at number nine, and No Time to Die also returning to this chart at number 10. When we look at what people are doing on iTunes, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the number one movie there as well, available for purchase and rental, followed by Dune, House of Gucci, still only available for purchase, but at number three. No Time to Die is at number four. American Underdog available for purchase at number five. Sing 2, premium video on demand at number six. And then Free Guy at number seven. Encanto at number eight. Ford versus Ferrari. Sure, why not? Jumping on at number nine. And then Belfast available for purchase at number 10. And as always, we wrap up the show by looking at what people are watching on Netflix. We'll start with the worldwide numbers. These are provided by Netflix by millions of hours watched. And this is for the week of January 31st through February 6th. The number one most watched movie on Netflix globally was a UK true crime documentary called The Tender Swindler with 45.8 million hours watched, followed by the movie Home Team starring Kevin James. At number three, another debut on the list, a film called Through My Window, which is a teenage romance film out of Spain, 33.2 million hours watched, followed by My Best Friend Anne Frank at number four, which is a story about a young girl's real-life friendship with Anne Frank. It's the first Dutch film to be made about the subject. That's where the Anne Frank house is located. That had 18.7 million hours watched. Then we see Despicable Me 2 also popping up on the Netflix charts with 14.3 million hours watched. Then we have a little bit of Bayhem number six and seven 13 hours the secret soldiers of benghazi and transformers revenge of the fallen both on the chart the netflix originals the royal treatment and don't look up are at numbers eight and nine we'll be keeping an eye on don't look up to see if those numbers tick up after its best picture nomination and then at number 10 the original despicable me with 6.5 million hours watched Looking at the most watched series on Netflix, and this is a very interesting number, the most watched series as it was last week was All of Us Are Dead. However, the watch time nearly doubled 
from last week. And there's a good reason why. It's because it's a really good show. I actually just finished it last night, and I will be bringing you my review of it this week. Café con Aroma de Mujer Season 1 stays on the chart in its sixth week at number two. The Kristen Bell Show, The Woman in the House, dot, 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 is at number three with 60.4 million hours watched. At number four is a debut, Dark Desire Season 2 with 49.9 million hours watched. This is a popular Mexican drama series on the charts. At number five, Raising Dion Season 2. It's a show about a single mother who finds that she has to raise a superhero. Its second season finds itself in the top five with 49 million hours watched. At number six, In From the Cold Season 1, followed by Ozark Season 4 Part 1. One. Season 2 of Sweet Magnolias, which is based on a book series of the same name, enters the chart at number 8 with 43 million hours watched. I Am Georgina Season 1 is at number 9, and Raising Dion Season 1, so people starting the show or catching up. It's enough to give Raising Dion its second slot on the most watched series on Netflix worldwide. Looking at the most popular stuff here in the United States, we don't have hours watch numbers, but we do have the ranking for the week of the 31st through February 6th. The movie Home Team, when we look at movies, is number one, starring Kevin James. At number two is Despicable Me Too. The Tender Swindler is number three. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen at number four. Can You Keep a Secret at number five. The Lucky One at number six. Despicable Me at number seven. Transformers Dark of the Moon at number eight. That's My Boy at number nine. And Countdown at number ten. I can name about five of these movies that could easily make my least favorite movies of all time list. But hey, uh, it's the first of the month. There's a lot of new stuff on Netflix. People are just going to check out what they want. Looking at the most watched series on Netflix, All of Us Are Dead Season 1 does take the number one spot. It was not number one last week. It is this week. The Woman in the House is at number two. Ozark Season 4 Part 1 is at number three. Followed by Sweet Magnolia Season 2 at number four. Raising Dion Season 2 at number five. In From the Cold Season 1 at number six. Raising Dion Season 1 at number seven. Ozark Season 1 and Ozark Season 3 making up numbers 8 and 9 and then Sweet Magnolias Season 1 at number 10. And that wraps up charts for this week. We should hopefully see an uptick at the box office this upcoming weekend because there's a big tentpole movie that's been in the works forever that is Uncharted starring Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. We'll be making a quick trip to see that tomorrow. Look for that review on Wednesday. There's also the Channing Tatum what looks like to be a heartwarming film, Dog, the werewolf film, The Curse, and then on Netflix, the new kind of Halloweenized uh, requel or whatever you want to call it of Texas Chainsaw Massacre called, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That comes out on Friday. I think I'm probably going to check that out. May do a review for that as well. Thank you so much for watching. I also want to thank my partners over at Carbon Health for being on board with me and today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. You can find information about all of those folks down in the description below. If you want to see more of what I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Merle. And stay tuned right here on the channel. Lots of fun stuff coming up this week and lots more fun stuff that I've got in the pipeline. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you next time. Bye.